We'll continue this morning. We've been going through a series of messages through the Gospels, and we've mentioned of the last three weeks how each one of the Gospels focuses on a different uh, area of Jesus' life. So this morning we're going to be looking again at the book of Mark and uh, what the Scripture says as Jesus is revealed in the book of Mark to be a servant. Each week as we do this series, I do want to go back and reflect on what we've already mentioned and in what we will be looking forward to. First uh, two messages in this series, in the book of Matthew, we saw that the focus on the book of Matthew was that Jesus is king. Jesus came preaching, John the Baptist came preaching, repent for the kingdom of hand is here. It's near, it's right here, the king is here. And we spoke in Matthew how the king is here and we understand that the Jews, when Jesus came as king, they rejected him. But we still understand, according to the scriptures, that Jesus will be king of kings and lord of lords. and He will rule and reign on this earth. And uh, as it tells us in the book of Isaiah, he will rule with a rod of iron and with righteousness. And they will call him wonderful, counselor, mighty God. And uh, those will be the things... So that day that Jesus will rule as king on this earth is still to come. But the whole book of Matthew talks about Jesus being the king. Lots of Old Testament scriptures references in the book of Matthew as it speaks about Jesus being the king. Last week we started in the book of Mark and recognized that the whole book of Mark focuses on Jesus being a servant and we looked at that, and we looked at what Jesus done. I mean, He went around from town to town, and He healed people. He met their needs. He didn't just stay in one place. He didn't just set up camp and say, Hey, everybody come to me, and I will heal you or meet your needs. No, we read and we see that Jesus went from town to town, meeting the needs of people, and regardless of what that need was. I mean, He fed the 5,000. Uh, he went to a well and met with a woman at the well because she had a need. She, he went from place to place. He, he raised the dead. He healed the blind. He fixed the paralyzed. I mean, Jesus met the needs. Toward the end of that book, we look and we see that Jesus sets an example for you and me as he humbles himself as a servant, and he even bends down and washes his disciples' feet. He said, listen, I'm setting an example to you that if you want to be great, listen to this. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, or if you want to uh, 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 reach great heights in your Christian worship, your focus should be others and not upon yourself. So the whole focus of the book of Matthew is, I mean of Mark, is Jesus as a servant. Now this morning we will look at Jesus and his life and the focus of him being a suffering servant. So we'll be looking at that in just a few minutes. Next week we will begin and we will look at Luke's focus on Jesus' life and we will see that, that he was the son of man. We will see that he, he is in his humanity uh, I mentioned last week that even, it, this was in the book of Mark and first time I'd ever seen it. But Jesus, it records in the book of Mark that Jesus 
side twice. It's recorded twice. And I'm like, wow, I had never seen that before. But when we begin looking in the book of Luke, we're going to see that Jesus got thirsty, that Jesus cried, that he, he got tired, he, he was hungry. I mean, Jesus was all human. As a matter of fact, when you look in the book of Matthew, it chases or takes Jesus' uh, genealogy back to Abraham because that is where the king was to originate from, was Abraham. But when we look at the humanity of Jesus, the book of Luke takes Jesus' genealogy all the way back to Adam, letting us know that he was human. He, he had flesh and blood just like me and you. So that focus next week we will begin in the book of Luke, uh, looking ahead his humanity and that Jesus was the Son of Man. Then the last focus we will deal with in this series on the Gospels, we will look in the book of John, where John recognizes Jesus' deity, his royalty, that he is God in the flesh and that he was the Son of God. So that's going to be the series as we look at it in the, the near future. But let's begin today looking at the key scriptures found in Isaiah 52 and verse 13. Isaiah 52 and verse 13. I hope you've got your Bibles open to that. We're going to be looking at several verses right here close to Isaiah 52. I've got a couple there in Isaiah 50 and 53. So I would love for you to, to look with me at what the scripture says about Jesus and him being the servant. In Isaiah 52, and starting in, in verse number 13, this is God speaking. God speaking, and He is foretelling and speaking into the future. Look what the first three words are. Behold, my servant. Now, who is God speaking of when He says, Behold, my servant? He's speaking of Jesus. And we see that as we read the rest of the verse. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently, he shall be exalted and extolled, which means to be lifted up, and he will be very high. As many were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man, and his form more than the sons of men. I want to read that in the New International Version. It says, See, my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted, just as there were many who were appalled at him. His appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any man, and his form marred beyond human likeness. Now, I know that some of us have seen the movie, uh, what was that movie? The Passion of the Christ. And I want you to know, I do not think it is possible for them to exhibit what Jesus Christ actually looked like on the cross. The Scripture tells us, and when we start going back through all the Scripture and looking at some of the details that it brings out, even when you read in the Gospels, it doesn't give you all the details that even the Old Testament bears out. Because when you look at the Old Testament, it tells us here, that he didn't, they had beaten Jesus so badly, he, did, he didn't even look human-like. 
He was so marred. He was so punished. You read another scripture, and we'll look at it in just a minute, that they pulled the hair out of his face. They pulled the hair from him. You read in Psalms where they, they pierced him. They pierced his hands. They pierced his feet. It talks about how his joints are pulled out of their sockets, how he thirsted, how they spit on him, how they humiliated him. Oh my goodness, this is horrible to even, to even think about. It's, it's hard to sit here and describe, especially sometimes with children present, the, the harshness that Jesus was treated with. When we looked at He was a servant, understand a servant is told what to do. I want you to know, and we'll look at this in a few minutes, that God the Father sent His Son, Jesus. Jesus didn't raise His hand and say, I volunteer. Scripture doesn't tell us that. I'll tell you something else, and I know, and you've heard me say this before, there's a song out there that talks about how God looked through heaven for a Savior. That's, that's, that is so unbiblical, because God didn't have to look through the, the, the heavens for a Savior, because He already had it planned before He ever created the earth. And so this was all part of God's plan. So we're going to see that in some of the Scriptures this morning. Why such a great suffering, though? That was kind of one of my questions. Why such a great suffering? In Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10, look, with it, look at it with me. Isaiah chapter 53 and verse 10 says, Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. Who is him? Jesus. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief, talking about Jesus, when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed, talking about the Son of God, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. He shall see of the travail of his soul, and shall be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. Now, Let's see what this verse says. I, I was asking the question. This is the question we're answering. Why was the suffering of Jesus, why did it have to be so great? Do we realize in that single moment of time that Jesus was 33 years old at His crucifixion, understanding that He qualified Himself in those 33 years to be worthy to be the sacrifice? In other words, we see, even we read the Scriptures where it says that Jesus was tempted, such as you and I have been tempted, yet without what? Without sin. That's the only reason that Jesus was qualified, to bear our sins, to bear our iniquities, because He was sinless. So when we begin to see that in this moment of time, God says, listen, I am going to make a way for all of mankind. I'm going to make a, a way for all of mankind to have a relationship with me. But the only way, the payment for your sin and my sin took place on the cross on that day. We realize that in the middle of the night, sometime after midnight on the day that Jesus was crucified, they came to the garden 
and they arrested him. They took him before a mock trial in the Sanhedrin. It was there that they asked questions. It was there that they hit him in the face. It was there that they would blindfold him and hit him and say, if you're the Son of God, prophesy who just hit you. It was there that it says that they spit on him. And it was there that they brought him eventually to Pilate. And Pilate says, hey, I find no fault in this man. But he says, for your sake, because Pilate wanted to please the Jews and their people, I will have him flogged. And, and I'm not going to go in to the details about the flogging. I will say this. The Roman soldiers had a job to do. The Roman soldier's job was to take a, a man and strap him to a pole. And when they flogged him, I want you to know their A number one goal was to get that man to cry out for mercy. And I want you to know that was one thing in all the effort that they took. They did not get Jesus to cry out for mercy. Jesus did not say, stop. Jesus did not say, I, I'm, I'm innocent. Jesus did not cry out and say, I can't take it anymore. Because you see, because of the great sin debt that had to be paid on your behalf and my behalf was that just as we read in this verse, it says it pleased God to bruise him because he knew the payment. Listen to this. He knew the reward that was coming when his son submitted himself as a servant and he followed through the will that God had laid on his life. He knew that he would gain every single one of you and me who believed. I'm going to make a payment so that you might have a relationship with God. I want you to know it sorrowed God that his son was being punished, but it pleased him that he was being obedient to the cross, even to death. But understand, sin is horrific. Romans 6 and 23 tells you and me the cost for sin is death. For the wages of sin is death. That's what we deserve when we have sin. So when Jesus went to the cross, understand that the payment had to be great. In Psalms 23 and 22, you can go there and, and don't turn there now, but I do encourage you to go there. It describes what takes place at the foot of the cross. Some a thousand years prior to the cross, it says that his hands and his feet would be pierced, that the dogs would gather at his feet, that they would gamble and cast lots for his garments. It tells us all them. It says that he would cry out and he says, I thirst. He says that it, it, it would, he would be stretched out and they would mock him. All of those things are talked about in Psalms 30 and 22. Look what it says in, in Isaiah 50. Isaiah 50, verse 5. And I know you should be right there close. Isaiah 50, verse 5 says this, The Lord God hath opened mine ear. God the Father speaking. God the Son, it says, hath opened mine ear. And I was not rebellious. In other words, God the Father sent His Son, and Jesus is saying, I was not in a rebellious, neither turned away my back. I gave my back to the smiters, and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. 
I hid not my face from shame and spitting, for the Lord God will help me, therefore shall I not be conformed? Therefore have I set my face like a flint, and I know that I shall not be ashamed. Jesus is answering this, that what the Lord God told him, He said, Son, you are going to a cross. They are going to smite you. They're going to beat you. They're going to pull the hair out of you. They're going to do all of these things for you, but I'll be with you. I love Hebrews chapter 12 where it says, And for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the cross. Now, you know what that joy that was set before him was? He knew that you and I would be a result. We would have an opportunity for salvation as a result of what Jesus done. For the joy that was set before me, he endured the cross for you and I. So we see that all through the Old Testament, before the foundation of the world was laid, and we'll read that scripture in just a minute, Jesus was set aside to be our Savior before God ever created man. Why did all of this, go, or when did all of this go into the framework of God's plan for man? We find that answer in 1 Peter 1 and 20, and it says there, Who verily was foreordained, before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last days for you. In other words, before God created man, before God created the world, He knew that He was going to create man. He knew that man was going to sin. Listen to this. It's not that God made man sin. He gave us a free will. Adam and Eve had a free will choice to choose to obey God or choose to reject God's, God's law or not to eat of that tree. Listen, that was free will. But God understood that man was going to fail. So before the foundation of the world, when did all of this get set in plan? When was the framework of the crucifixion? It was before the foundation of the world was ever made. That's how God knew. He says, okay, I hope you understand this. God loves you so much. He would rather see His Son suffer this great suffering that He suffered. He would rather see Him suffer than to do without you. To do without the relationship that He can have with you. That's how much God loves you. Oh, praise God. And listen, we need to just understand that the only thing that God requires from me and you to have that relationship it's for you to put your faith and trust in what Jesus Christ has done on the cross and that He rose from the dead. That's what He requires from me and you. Now, Brother Wayne, that sounds way, way too simple. Well, now listen, that's what, that is what God requires of us for salvation. That's not all He expects from us once we're saved. Okay? And we can get into that, and that's another discussion. But God has made salvation for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, free gift. All, all you've got to do is receive it. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord who paid the debt on the cross. So we've answered two questions. Why such a great suffering? Because sin carries such a great price. Where or when did all of this go into God's framework for us to have a relationship with Him? 
before the foundation of the world was ever laid. So, God's plan the whole time for mankind was to make a way for me and you. Now, I want us to understand again that God sent His Son. God sent His Son. Because the title of the message this morning is that Jesus, the suffering servant, Jesus was called on to go and do and to go and serve our Heavenly Father. And He's saying, I want you to go to the world and I want you to do something for me. I want you to do it for them. You know how Jesus went and washed the disciples' feet? Oh, that was so minor compared to what He did for the world. Because He came and He suffered on the cross for you and me. So I want, we need to understand that God sent Jesus. Jesus didn't raise His hands and, Oh, send me, send me, I want to go, I want to go. Because Jesus was going to become God in the flesh. And when we read in the Scriptures, what does Jesus pray in the garden the night before He was crucified? Lord, if there's any other way, let this cup pass from me. But not my will. Thine be done. Father, because of what you have done for me, because who you are to me, because you are my heavenly Father, God, I am willing to do whatever you call on me to do. So we see that Jesus was sent. In Galatians chapter 4 and 4 it says, But when the fullness of time was come, God sent forth His Son, made of a woman. God sent Jesus in John chapter 8, in verse 42, it says, Jesus said unto them, If God were your Father, you would love me. He's talking to the Pharisees. If God were your Father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, neither came I of myself. I didn't do it on my own, but He sent me. God sent Jesus. He's the servant. John 3, 17, it says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. Again, emphasizing that God sent His Son. Isaiah 42 and 1 says, Behold, this is God speaking again, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, mine elect, in whom my soul delighteth, I have put my spirit upon him, and he shall bring forth judgment to the Gentiles. God says, this is my servant, my son. I am sending him so that you might be saved. 2 Corinthians 5 and 21 says this, For he hath made him to be sin for us. For he, who is he again? God the Father. He made him, now who is him? Jesus. For God made Jesus to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now I love this. Uh, we've been studying in the book of Colossians on Wednesday nights. We just came through a period of, of scriptures that was talking about, well, let me just let me just read it and then I'll explain it. And he says, and you being dead in your sins of your flesh, hath he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all trespasses. Now listen to this. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, and took it out of the way, nailing it 
to the cross. I was, I was explaining to them on Wednesday night how in those days, if you were put in prison for something, let's just say, and I think I used this example on Wednesday night, let's say, let's say Jenny stole three apples as she was walking through the marketplace and she was caught, they would arrest Jenny, they would put her in a jail cell, and on the outside of that jail cell, they would write offense, stole three apples. And what would have to justify or her freedom would be based on, you didn't just get to repay the three apples, there had to be some punishment. For her to be set free, nine apples had to be paid to the marketplace. So this was the handwriting of the ordinance that was on her jail cell. I hope her family loved you enough to go get and purchase nine apples, take them to that marketplace, pay your debt so that you might be able to be set free. So this is, this is the, the illustration that it is referring to. So watch this. Look what it says again. Blotting out the handwriting of the ordinance that was against us. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. For there is none righteous, no, not one. The handwriting on the, on the ordinance against us was, You are a sinner. In order for you to be set free, you are in a jail cell, and it's a death sentence, and on the outside of your cell it says, uh, Offense, sin, punishment, death. That's the only out. Someone has to die for you. But this is what that scripture is telling us. That Jesus went and took that handwritten ordinance that was against you. And he took it off. And he went and he bore it on the cross. And understand, in order for that sin debt to be paid, Jesus had to die for me and for you. And in order to please God, and when we read in Isaiah chapter 53, it pleased God to bruise him. It pleased him to see that. But it says the reason that it pleased him because he knew that Jesus was dying for the sins and the iniquities of all of the world. Oh my goodness. All right. I think we've seen, just by looking at the Scriptures, we see exactly what Jesus has done for us. We understand that He was sent. That makes Him the servant. We've read several Scriptures that talk to us that Jesus was the servant. He was the suffering servant. All right. We could just end right there this morning. I've... I have taken the Scriptures and I have shown us how that the, the book of Mark focuses on Jesus being the servant and we could just call it quits. And you could walk out the back door this morning and say, okay, you know, that's, that's pretty interesting. Maybe, maybe you've not connected all of these dots in the Scriptures. But there's one thing else that we need to consider this morning before we leave. Take your Bibles. Turn with me, if you would, to Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. Philippians Chapter 2, verse 5. 
Philippians chapter 2, verse 5. All right, we're going to start in verse 5, but I'm going to skip verse 5, okay? We're going to start in verse 5, but I'm going to skip it. Because it is, it is talking about Jesus Christ, who, verse 6, being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, in other words, becoming a man. He took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself. And he became obedient, obedient unto God, unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee shall bow. And everything and of things in heaven and things of earth and things under the earth. If you're here this morning and you've been fighting off giving your life and heart to Jesus Christ for salvation, let me un- I hope everybody understands in here, the day will come when everyone that has ever walked the face of this earth will say, bow a knee to Jesus and recognize Him as King and King of Lord of Lords. But listen, the only time that it's going to count is while you're living in this life. The day is going to come. Every person that will be sentenced because of their unbelief to an eternity in what the Bible refers to in in Revelation chapter 20, the lake of fire, every single one of them before they go to the lake of fire will recognize Jesus as Lord. Every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. So when we see this, Jesus made himself to be a servant. Now let's go back to verse number 5. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. What mind was that? To be a servant. To be a servant. Let me tell you what God has done for you and I. I I read this scripture a little earlier, or tried to quote it, and I kind of messed it up. But if you know the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, He took that handwriting off the wall that says that you are sentenced to death, He made that payment. He nailed it to the cross. Now, if you put your faith in Jesus Christ, He has now set you free. He bought you. He paid your price, a price that you could not pay. Why why don't we just give Him our lives completely? Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. Let this mind be in you that you surrender all. I surrender all. I surrender all. All to Thee, my blessed Savior, I surrender all. Would you have the mind of Christ Jesus? Would you, as the Scripture tells us, to put others before yourself? That's exactly what Jesus has done. 
He put others before himself. Consider others even before you consider yourself. Would you choose to serve him like Jesus chose to serve the Father? If you're here this morning and you've never accepted Jesus Christ by putting your faith and trust in him, believing what he's done on the cross for you, there's never been a time in your life, like, like it says in Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord. If you've not called upon the name of the Lord, ask Him in prayer, saying, God, I understand what you've done for me. God, I, I know that you paid my sin debt on the cross. I believe what you've done. I believe that you paid my sin debt and died on the cross for me. God, I believe that when they put you in the grave, that you rose again. God, I believe that, and I ask you now, to come into my heart and save me. Listen, that's, that's, that's what it amounts to. Jesus said, it's finished. I've done everything else on the cross that you need to have done. All I need for you to do is put your faith and trust in me. And if you do, I will send the Holy Spirit to come into you and empower you to live for me. I want you to know, I've, I see the lives of many people today that have made that profession to Jesus Christ. And I do believe, according to the Scriptures, you are genuinely saved, but you've never surrendered your life to Him. He wants you to surrender your... He wants you to become as Jesus became, become a servant, by having this mind, which is also in Christ Jesus. Whatever the decision you need to make this morning... We just want to offer up an opportunity for you to make that decision. It could be that uh, there's something on your heart that you need to just come and pray publicly, and these altars are open for you to come pray. It could be that God's been so good to you this week, you just want to have a time of, to pray to say thank you, Lord, uh, that I'm reminded of what you've done for me. And it, you might want to stand in your pew. You might want to come forward and pray publicly. Whatever your need this morning, that's what this invitation is all about. We just want to give you an opportunity to respond to what Jesus Christ has spoken to your heart about this morning and through these scriptures. Let's stand together and have a word of prayer, and then you respond as you need. Father, again, we thank you for this opportunity. As we look through the scriptures, we see what a great price was paid for the purchase of our salvation. And God, we see that then after you paid this great price, you just offer it to us as a gift. Wow, thank you so much for the gift that you've offered through your son Jesus, the forgiveness of sin. Now, Father, as we consider this morning the cost that you've paid, we as believers, I just pray that you'll uh, let us examine our hearts to see where we're at in our service towards you. If we're here this morning as unbelievers, I pray that you'll convict our hearts that we need to put our faith and trust in you, crying out to you, as it tells us in Romans 10, 13. Whatever the need this morning, I pray that you'll be pleased with our decisions. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Let's sing this.